This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Women are shifting the way the world is built and run. And Keen Utility is helping them do it. By designing tradeswomen tested work boots and shoes that are inspired and vetted by real tradeswomen on the ground. Visit keenfootwear.com slash tradeswomen tested. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Max Cohen and Yana Shanaeus. This is our post-match show of Fulham's huge 2-1 victory against Leeds United on Saturday at Craven Cottage. There's a ton to get through in this match, and guys, as I like to do fairly often, is I like to talk about the words from Scott Parker after the match. This is from the head coach press, so I'm going to break this up into two parts because I think they're going to lead to two really interesting talking points for us really to really dive ourselves into. So let's start here. I'm just going to read this to you guys, and then I'll go to you, Max, and get your thoughts on what Scott Parker said after the match in part one here. Here's what he had to say. Quote, Leeds United are the most athletic, powerful team, but they're the most structured and patterned team as well. The movement Leeds make are very scripted, and we study Leeds for many games. You see the movements they make, and all week we drilled those movements. We drilled the team to understand what was coming to know when the ball went in certain places that these are the movements they'll make. We did that well. This team executed the game plan and ultimately caused Leeds a number of problems today. The overriding feeling I have is pride, unquote. Okay, Max, over to you. This is where I want to start because this is something that Emilio and I talked about on full-time. Tactical change, game plan, because this was a different way Fulham won the match. They, again, came out with a different mindset, a different way to play, and it worked brilliantly. Your thoughts on what Scott Parker said after the match and your thoughts on the tactical change and the game plan for Fulham? It was a different side of Fulham. Russ, and one we hadn't really seen before, and I enjoyed it. Parker showed with his back against the wall that he can change, that he's not just a one-trick pony, and you know I think we probably had 30 40% possession at home, 
35. 35, there we go. And the fact, the way we close players down, I haven't seen Fulham put it in a shift like that for 90 minutes all season. That's right. I'm sure you guys haven't either. So that stood out to me. And we weren't the most dominating. I think we probably had three shots on target I read somewhere. It, it wasn't an amazing offensive display, but it didn't need to be. In this league, and you pick your matches, and let's not downplay this, okay? I know we all love to hate Leeds, and I hate Leeds as much as you do, but they're a good side. They are. And they've gone eight matches unbeaten, won seven of them in a row, and just drawn a Cardiff last week. This is an automatic promotion side, one that's going to be challenging for it very heavily. And we, we beat them, and we beat them, I think, in, in, a, in a way that is impressive because we were under the cosh at times, but in that last kind of 20 minutes after we went ahead, we, we never really were that, you know, nervy until the final couple of minutes. This right. is a professional win, Russ. Yep. This is a win of a team that kind of reinstalls faith right before Christmas. It's, it's a Christmas gift for us all. And, you know, we head into the festive period. I tweeted this out. You know, the next two months, we don't play a single team in the current top nine. We play teams where in, in the season, you know, except for essentially the Stoke and the Barnsley matches, we've almost beaten every single team in that kind of mid-table range, bottom, right. bottom half of the table range. We can go on a run. We can put together a really good set of wins. And, you know, again, we kind of, we'd ridden off automatic promotion. But with this win against Leeds and the run of fixture we have coming up in the festive period and until essentially late February, I'm confident, Russ. I'm confident. I understand that, Max. And let's throw this to the conversation as well with Leeds United. They lost Hernandez. We don't know how long that injury is going to affect them because he's a key player for them. I, I thought that was a, a huge break for Fulham that he got injured early in the match because uh, he's a very good player. So I understand what you're saying. The, the door is now a little bit ajar because now it's only nine points. So I, I get what you're saying. and But for me, this actually showed a different way to win. And I think they needed to do this because I think great teams can find different ways to win. And I want to give Scott Parker a lot of credit. I wasn't expecting this from him, but he did exactly what I wanted him to do was to find a different way to set up his team, a different game plan. It worked very well. And the team deserved all three points. I don't care what we're going to talk about. We are obviously going to talk about the penalty and that whole thing. But if you look at the overall play, Fulham deserved all three points. I'm, I'm not going to change my mind on that. Over to you, Giannis. Thoughts on what Max shared, what I shared, and, of course, what Scott Parker shared about the game plan and how Fulham did. Well, it helped. It helped to have Bobby Reed and uh, Harrison Reed back. I mean, if you have a game plan, you better have your best players. And um, I know Harry Hart was obviously not back for that provided a lot more stability. Um, and even notwithstanding the fact that Doyle wasn't available because of suspension. But um, he'd obviously worked on, the, on the, um, the training field against a team who has arguably the best coach in the division. In That's Bielsa. right. So, you know, and Leeds have been on a very, very good run. And they're, they're second because they are one of the best two teams in the division. I think they've played very well. And, and Hernandez would have been a really big loss. But I like the discipline of what I saw yesterday. Um, we didn't get rattled when Bamford got the equaliser. Um, we kept our shape pretty well. And um, I think, on you know, in reflection, um, we were worth at least a point. Um, we got all three. We, we don't have a particularly difficult stretch coming up. 
but it's it's full of mysteries, isn't it? Really, I mean, you you go up to Preston, and really they kick you off the park, and then Brentford. Really, we were never we were never actually in it. We lose three in the trot, and then we come back for really our toughest game, and um, we played with some good shape and really really good energy. So it was a good game plan, and Parker deserves a lot of credit. And it was a game I thought he he might end up being out coached by Bielsa, but in the end. Uh, I think he won the battle of the coaches. I agree. And that's such a positive sign for Fulham that going against, like you said, potentially the best coach in the division, Scott Parker, met the challenge and I think won that battle. So, Giannis, I want to go back to you. Here are some more quotes from Scott Parker, which I want to now focus on talking about. This is another talking point character. We've talked about this a great deal during this season, and I think we really saw character from the Fulham players. So here's what Scott Parker shared as well after the match. Quote, I spoke to these players before the game saying that you're not getting judged today on technique or on what a good football player you are. There's 20,000 coming here. Myself, my staff, yourselves, people are judging how you are as a man. Can you stand up? Can you stand up when the chips are down? Because the chips at the moment are down. Your eyes don't lie at football, and my eyes don't lie to me. I saw a team on the front foot aggressive, a team that needed to make a statement, a team that showed passion and a desire, and that's what pleased me the most, really, unquote. Okay, Giannis, back to you, because, again, this is a different game plan, but the players needed to execute it, but they also needed to really, as Scott Parker said, stand up. Your thoughts on what Scott Parker shared after the match? Really, it to me, sounds like he's talking about the character of the players and how they were able to really stand up to a team like Leeds United. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a laugh, really, because it sounds very dramatic. You know, basically, basically, I think I think the question was better effort. It just had to be a better right. needed to be a better effort from the all eleven players on the field, and we just didn't. I think especially against Brent Fodder, we just we didn't show up. In, and, and we know that whether we like it or not, you know, they are to us what, um, you know, Chelsea are to us. We we right. hate Chelsea. They look at us as a little flea on the windscreen. And it's the same with Brentford, you know, a little club in a tin pot stadium um, that we don't care about. We, we have no regard for, but it's the World Cup final. And uh, I think he'd have been disappointed by the effort last week. I think that's what he's getting at. There needed to be a better effort. Um, you know, it's a big game. You know, if you can't raise yourself in a game like this against a team that's second in the division, you know, there's question marks. And, and the other thing, of course, is had they lost yesterday, Parker might might have been, not that I would have agreed with it, but Parker might have been gone because there would have been four... Potentially. Yeah, four defeats. Yeah, four defeats on the spin, with the Christmas schedule coming up and FA Cup, and I'm sure that the Cairns were looking at it closely. So it was a big, it was a big win. Now the question is consistency. Can we go yeah. to Kenilworth Road and Boxing Day, and actually put in a performance like that? Because if we do, and they lost late to Swansea yesterday, then we could give them the hammering. But then, it's a crazy division. Yep. Um, it's, it's, there's some weird results going on right now, and um, you never know. But he wanted a better effort, and, and to be fair, the lads, um, he got it from them. He did, absolutely. And Max, over to you. Thoughts on what Giannis just shared? He thinks 
Parker really is talking about effort. What are your thoughts? I agree, and that was one of the main things I highlighted last week, right, after the Brentford match, is that I said for sure no player looked like they were up for it, which was so odd considering the gravity of the situation. And, of course, you know we all know Brentford care more about us than we care about them, but still, it's a derby. And there was just – you couldn't tell in the way the players played. Yesterday, it was completely different. I think that is uh, in part because of Parker's uh, mentality, but I think players also – they realized it wasn't good enough last week, and they know more is expected out of them. And I think Giannis mentioned also the boost of uh, the, the two reads, Declan over Reed yep. and uh, Harrison Reed coming back. That's massive because totally agree. Listen, you're not starting Cavano, and I love Cavano, but he's not that good in those situations. And you know, although Johansson dropped to the bench, a lot of people weren't happy about that. I don't think we missed him a massive amount. As we're going to talk about later, that was Onoma's best game. I Absolutely. think for us, of course, with the yes, goal, but it was more than the goal, right? It was much more than the goal and perhaps. his defensive contributions. And he just looked more confident. But watch the end of the match. Exactly. Yeah. And he threw his body on the line there. Superb. Um, altogether, you're right. It, it was that effort. But again, it wasn't the form that we'd seen all season. Again, 35% possession. <laughs> we didn't boss the shots or all the passing. We chose our moments. We were more clinical. And, and it goes to show all the player people saying Parker out just last week. Football's such a fickle game. Yep. We could have easily lost this game, honestly. There's there's a scenario in which that clip shot in the first half doesn't hit the post, sneaks in, sure. and then Benford puts them up, and, and we lose 2-1. But it's such fine margins. But I still think Parker is the right man, and I think he showed it today that he can be flexible. He's not as rigid as people might think he is. Well, he proved me wrong because I thought he was extremely rigid, and now he has shown a different side. So I think that's extremely encouraging. And this goes to something Emilio said, talking about how Frank Lampard learned over the course of the season. So maybe Scott Parker can do the same because we're seeing now a different type of football when it's needed against a certain opponent. He had a game plan. He knew how to play against them, and the team executed it. And that's just extremely encouraging. I'll keep using that word because of what we had saw prior. But like you said, it's a Fickle game, it changes from week to week, it changes from match to match, but this is a positive step for Fulham. Now, can they build on that, like Giannis was saying, against Ludentown? Okay, next talking point, we have to go to where we're going to talk about now. Uh, we're going to break down the match, but we have to definitely talk about this. Max, we talked about this off air. I know how you feel about this, so let it rip. Was it a penalty? Stop telling me, guys. And... Every single Fulham fan listening to this is going to know deep down it's not a penalty. We can, we're going to say it is because we're Fulham supporters. But, I mean, if that had been given against us, everyone, just as Leeds are, rightfully are. I mean, I love winding them up. But they would be furious. The ball is played in the box, and, and I, I assume it's a push. That's what people are saying because there's a suggestion of handball, but I assume the, I think the referee indicated it was for a push. Right. And it seems to me, from what I've seen, Bobby Reed is already kind of hunched. He doesn't, he doesn't really jump and um, – the lead center half puts his hands on him. But again, I, there's so little in that. I, I haven't seen Pellets given that very rarely. That's what center backs do. They hassle players. They push. You know, it happens to Mitrovic every single game. And we accept it because he gives it out and center backs give it back. That's part of the game. But Deckard over Reed, he didn't even go to ground. He just kind of slightly hunches over. And for me, I think he went to it one was knee. a stroke of luck. He went to one knee, exactly. But there wasn't any force in it, Russ. If you push hard, you'd see him 
you know, lay himself to the ground and flail and be totally thrown off balance. But it was like a bit of an inconvenience for him. He just got a pat on the back. <laughs> so what I sum up that first 10 minutes, though, in general, and this is indicative of a larger thing, it's all the luck we weren't getting maybe the past three matches all came to us in the space of 10 minutes. You know, <laughs> First minute of the match, Pablo Hernandez arguably leads best player, goes down with injury. That was huge. Big for us. We get that penalty, not a penalty for us, big luck for us. And then Mitchie Rich's penalty, which is actually a pretty poor penalty, gets miraculously tipped onto the post and then goes off the post and in the other side of the goal. Sometimes so, you need a little luck. Time, yeah. yeah. But, but let's remember three weeks ago, two weeks ago, the Bristol City match and how that pe- surefire penalty wasn't given, yep. how Cabano hit a header off the crossbar. I think it just came back. To, it's, it's karma. You know, it's a circle oh. of life. We, we didn't get the decisions or the <laughs> bounces a couple weeks ago. We got them all in the first 10 minutes on Saturday. Okay. So what goes around comes around basically. Exactly. Okay. Giannis, over to you. Your thoughts. No penalty. Absolutely no way. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. It was, <laughs> uh, if, if, I'd have, if, if I'd have been Bielsa, I might have run onto the pitch and tackled the ref. Because, I mean, you see, we see challenges week in, week out. And, but it was, no, 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 you don't. That was, a, that was, I hate to say it, a home call. Um, and But I'll t- you take it because you need right. elements of luck. Don't kick one in one. But no, it, no, it wasn't. And and Max is right. Um, Mitro has not struck it particularly well. Um, although Mitro, I suppose, deserved the goal because it was his hook back from Cavalier's cross yeah. that led to the challenge. But having said that, if, you give a, if you're giving penalties for challenge like that, we were in real trouble as a sport. <laughs> we'll have a, a dozen penalties a, a game. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, um, you know, I'm going to be the last one to support Leeds. And, you know, this story, <laughs> history speaks for itself. But um, I do, I, I, it, it, yeah, it was, it was never, no, never, never a penalty. Okay. And listen, you guys are extremely fair, and that's what makes you guys great because I'm sure there could be other shows i'm talking about from with other teams that wouldn't be as honest as you guys are i'm not talking about other film podcasts i'm talking about other teams podcasts that would be just sticking by basically being a homer you guys are certainly not that you guys are honest in your views on that and as i said on full time because at the time i looked at it i honestly did not get a great view of it i thought it was because it looked like again that he went down to one knee as max said and I could see that there was a hand on it. But I did watch it again today. And it's very difficult to tell if that, you know, again, the force behind it. So I understand where you guys are coming from. it. I, I don't think we got a good view of this. So certainly I understand why you guys are saying what you're saying, that it's soft. And I've seen other people say that it's soft and then others have disagreed. So who knows? But that's why I wanted to bring that up. But also to talk about, as Max said, karma. Because these calls have gone against Fulham. Well, now we get one, so certainly you take it, and that's the way I'm going to look at it as well. And before we go in and talk about the starting line of the 18, the other thing that I want to talk about, guys, is the play of Leeds United. And listen, Max, Bielsa's a great coach, as Giannis said, but their style of play, I, I, I think they, again, it comes from Bielsa, and I thought, Throughout the match, now maybe this is just me because, I, listen, we watch all these matches. I've not seen Fulham play a team that was as theatrical as Leeds United. Do you agree or disagree with me? 
<laughs> I think they definitely were told to sell the fouls. I'm not going to dispute that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and that's just, that, that's Bielsa's leads. You know, that's kind of their identity now. Yep. They are a savvy team. Um, but, you know, that combined with the penalty decision almost made this win even sweeter. <laughs> I almost love that it was a soft penalty because you saw how wound up the Leeds fans were. Oh, they were. You saw how furious yep. they were online, on Twitter, yep. in, in the stadium. It's, it's, it's banter. And that's great because it's almost, for us, it's almost more uh, fulfilling when it's something you didn't deserve. You know, it's like you, you stole it for them. Not saying the win wasn't deserved, but that penalty decision itself, sure. it's amusing to kind of pull, pull it over a team like that. Um, and, and then, you know, Leeds kind of have this history in recent years, you know, last year, most notably. Um, and then when we went, pro- got promoted in 2018, uh, of kind of throwing away a great, a great start to the season. You know, Leeds That's are right. falling apart again is, is the classic chant. So again, it's amusing to kind of see that playing out again. Uh, very, very, very rewarding. Okay. Very good. Over to you, Giannis. I want to get your thoughts on it. Listen, this is a very good side. I want to just mention that Leeds United, like you mentioned, yep. excellent manager. But I watch all these matches and some of their players. Again, we have players that do it for foam. Mitro does it. He's theatrical. I think Joe Bryan does it a little bit too. So I get it. But it just seemed pretty prevalent in this match. Am I making too much out of this? No, you're not. And it's irritating, really, because it's irritating because Leeds are a much better side than that. If you look at their lineup, you look at the way they're set up, you look at their results, they've got quality all over the pitch. They don't really need to play the dramatics. They can, you know, I thought last year they were um, assuming probably to win, or at least be in the top two in the division. And right now, I mean, they've got a very comfortable cushion over, what, Wednesday, because Wednesday won today. Um, but I, they don't need to play like that. They just need to play. They need to play their strengths, which is why West Brom, I think, are top West Brom do play their strengths and, and they're they very functional. Yeah, and um, you know they they're um, they're all. I look at the teams differently, to be honest with you, Giannis. I think West Brom are just a different type of team, and they deserve yeah. definitely to be where they are. Yeah, and, and and very very good experience, and they could get even stronger. I mean, transfer windows coming up. You know, in not too distant future, and I'm sure they're going to try and load up on a bit more talent as well. But Leeds, Leeds did not need to play the way they did. I was, I was surprised that they've, um, they've impressed me this year. And um, I don't know. It almost feels, it almost feels like they were a little bit spooked by coming to the cottage. It was almost as if, you know, even though they were on a tremendous run, they knew we were in a bit of a skid, and they. They preempted that maybe something was going to go wrong and they were trying to make things happen when really what they needed to do was play their game. Right. I know Hernandez losing Hernandez earlier would have been a big blow, but they still had enough talent there. And you've got good players like, you know, Reed and Reed coming back to us, but, but they would not have been match, match fit by any means. And, um, you know, Adoy not being there as well. So we had some issues to deal with. So they would have had the advantage coming in in terms of form, but they sort of played very scratchy um, and they didn't, there wasn't a lot of self-belief there, and they were trying to make things happen by all these, you know, these theatrics that they really didn't need to. It was, it was an odd game, you know. If I was a lead support, and, and if you go on the social media websites, a lot of the lead supporters were very disappointed in performance yesterday. You know, that they looked way off key and and just just didn't ever really get out of first gear. So they've got a couple of interesting games. 
Uh, coming out, they've got Preston, uh, Ellen Road, uh, yeah. Boxing Day. Yeah, that won't be easy. We know, you know. Then they've got to go to Birmingham, up Birmingham, St Andrews, and Birmingham are in a poor run right now. But they're they're going to need. That's a tough place to play. Yeah, it is a tough place to play. And Birmingham right now um, aren't too far, aren't too far away in terms of you know they're eight points off the of six, and Preston, Preston are now um, Preston are now going to be fifth. And Preston are going to give them a bit of a run. So this is, you know, we've got uh, we still got half a season to go. We, we all tend to forget, but uh, I think Leeds will be disappointed with the way they, they play this. Then just that it wasn't a Leeds performance. They're a better side than that. They didn't need. We didn't need to see all the theatrics and what have They're a very talented team. That's what surprised me from it. But again, that's what they did. So I I thought it's fair to comment on it because. I don't remember Fulham playing a team that did as much as they did in this match. And what's interesting, guys, I don't know if you watched the video from Benjamin Bloom, who's been on this show. He said on his uh, YouTube video that Leeds United have not won in London. They have this problem winning in London for yes. like going on like two years. So maybe that's also part of this as well, that maybe they were pressing because they have – not played well at all in London. And uh, I don't know if that got into the players' heads, if it was psychological, but this is a very good team, and they don't need to do that. And uh, so I, I just thought it, I think it's fair to bring that up because uh, if Fulham did that, I think we would be honest and say, you know what, they don't need to do that. And I'll be the first to tell you, Mitro doesn't need to do some of his theatrics at all. And uh, I don't like when he does that, and I'll be the first to say that. I never liked when Quint Dempsey dived. Yes, Max, Quint Dempsey did dive. I'm going to say that he's an American, but he did dive. Okay? And I never liked it. And I don't like that kind of play. So I'll be the first to say that. Okay? All right, guys. Let's now get into talking about the starting 11 and the 18 overall. This is interesting because I'll start us off by saying before the match, when I looked at it, I said to myself, why Josh and Oma? Okay, I said it. I said, why again Josh and Oma? So, thankfully, Josh and Oma proved me wrong because he played extremely well, and I'm very happy for him. But that was my first question when I looked at the starting 11. But as Giannis also mentioned, I was happy that Decadova Reed and Harrison Reed were included. Those are my takeaways from the starting eleven, the eighteen overall. Yeah, so I'll go to you first. I think I've got a slightly different angle on this one. And when I saw the lineup, I, okay, um, I think that um, I think that Steph Joe was rested yesterday. I don't think I don't think he was dropped. He's played okay. a lot of football this year. Um, he's he started in most of our games, and he's played. He's been a starter for every single international that Norway have played this year, and I think. With what is a congested, congested, you know, fixture list coming up, I think he gave him a little bit of a break. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him back at Kenilworth Road. And if and if this is the case, it's a good move um, because it gives obviously it gives uh, Reed and and, and um, Reed a chance to come back. Obviously, we right. don't know the status of Arta, but there's a lot of footy yet to come. And I, I, I liked that move. I thought that was as soon as I saw it, I thought he's resting him. It's, he's not picked. He's not picked a gnome over Steph Joe. He's, he's 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 letting him sit down for a game, and I know he came on an injury time. I know that's good because one of the things now with half a season ago is you've still got, you've got to manage your squad and manage the energies. And we've had 
quite a few injuries. So I like that. Cyrus Christie came in the right back. Um, you know what? Don't think he put a foot wrong yesterday. Um, I, I liked I liked the lineup. Um, and then if you looked at the bench now, when you've got someone like Steph Joe on the bench and Knockart and Boo Boo, amongst others, you've got now you've got some depth there. You've got options. Although the only criticism I, um, you would would have was we we only had one defender on the bench, which is that's it. But uh, the lineup, no problems with that. And as I said, I think that the Steph Joe thing was as a break and. Uh, and people want, you know, players want to play every game, but he has played a lot this year, and I certainly don't think that's a bad move. Okay. Interesting take there, Giannis. Max, over to you. Your thoughts on what Giannis just said. Do you agree with him that it was to rest Steph Joe and not tactical? It's an interesting theory, but Giannis, what I'd say to you is that do you rest your players um, for the biggest match of the season so far? I think if it was maybe, you know, Wigan at home, I'd understand that decision. But Leeds United at home, that's that's a match where you want every single player, especially battlers like Johansson, to be out there, you know, battling, getting stuck in. It would just surprise me that he choose a Leeds United match to rest someone. That's well, that's the only reason why I would I would be skeptical the about problem that. I, the, the problem I don't the, the thing I'm looking at, uh, Max, is if you got you know, we've got who we got coming up, we've got Luke Lytton. I like just saying that because it sounds Scottish. Lytton. Lytton. <laughs> And then we've got uh, Choke, and then we've got Weeding, um, and then we've got uh, Villa in the Cup. So it's, it's 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 a bad time of the year for all the clubs. It's congested. I mean, Leeds losing Hernandez yesterday is a big, big loss. Absolutely. Because if he's out for a while, that nine-point gap or now eight-point gap starts to look, you know, things start getting a little tighter. Um, I just think that he's got. I think with every good manager, you've got to. You've got to manage your squad, and you know when when Hector comes in in January, one of the players who I think is going to see less time is Tim Ream, because Tim Ream has played a lot of footy this year, and you've got the travelling piece of the US and all that sort of stuff, and I think Scott has got to be very careful because, um, you know we, we've just had half a season, and players are, are still carrying knocks this time of the year anyway, so. Um, that was my that was my thought, and and um, you know um, I don't think it was an anomaly thing, uh, uh, but yes, could you play your strongest one? Yes, but also knowing that you've got a, a set of very winnable games coming up as well. You know, if we drew today and we won four on the spin, nobody would care about the fact that we didn't we wouldn't have won yesterday. So he's got to be careful. We don't have the luxuries of many Premier League you know, squads that have strength and depth and that's what marks the teams at the top in our division from the bottom teams like Barnsley you know are having a little bit of a run right now but it's going to catch up with them because you're going to have like four games in eight days and then you've got five days until an FA Cup so you have to be careful in terms of squad selection so had that been said I'm hoping that means that players like Matt you know Matt O'Reilly and Stephen Sessignon are going to start getting some games here because uh you know, we've got we're going to have players that are going to pick up some knocks, and we've got to make sure that we've got all bodies. But that's that was my take on on Steph Joe. Okay, excellent there. All right, Max, over to you. Any other thoughts on the starting eleven and the eighteen? It was a strong side. I think that the team we had was 
was much better than the Brentford uh, team, especially because, of course, Deco Nova Reed and Harrison Reed coming back. One question I have for you guys really quickly before we move on, though, is, you know, so Noah Doy, right? He's serving his suspension after the red card against Preston. And that was, I think, we back, I guess, the next game. So he's serving a three-match suspension, I would assume. But yeah. after Rodak's red card, remember, he only served the one-match suspension. And came back, you know, Bettinelli was in for one match, and the Rodak came right back, um, I think, for the Birmingham match it was. What, uh, what's up with that? I think it was accumulation. Accumulation of cards added up. I think that's what it was. For a doy? Yeah. Yeah. Because Rodak hadn't got any yellows. Right. If I'm not mistaken. Even though even though Adore is a straight red, you think the yellow's still back? He's had a few yeah, he's had a few yellows since. And it's interesting actually with, with, with Adore because um I thought Christie did a good job yesterday. Really? I'm not, I'm I think your answer right. Yeah, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poo poo on uh Adore because I love Adore, but um Christie's really grown in my estimations this year. And, and probably more the, the in terms of the person he he is. Right. An immense amount of um you know, immense amount of respect for him. And I hope he goes on a good run on this team because he can bring something to the squad. Having said that, I think we still need some upgrading in the January window. But um, thank God we've got Christian and Seth that can slot in there. Um, and nobody's talking about Max Le Marchand. <laughs> that's a good point there, Yeah, That's a very good point. Good stuff by the two of you. All right. Coming up, we're going to break down this match for the first half and the second half. Along with that, we will talk about the stats and what they tell us and finish up by talking about the man of the match, which is always interesting. Okay, guys, let's get into it. Let's talk about the first half. And listen, let's start from the beginning of of this match because I think it really begins with Costa's shot. I mean, we knew that Weeds would come out strong, and they certainly did. But for me, the match changes when Hernandez gets injured. And I think that really affected Leeds. I could be wrong about that. But again, I think this was a major loss for them, guys. So when we look at the first half, as you said, Max, it really, again, maybe luck was on foam side that we've had these things go our way. You know, the penalty goes our way. And that happens in the, you know, listen, in the ninth minute, Mitro scores. So let's talk a little bit about those opening stages again. I know we've already talked about it, but give me your thoughts again through your eyes. How, say, the first 10 minutes, which includes the goal, Hernandez going off injured, and then Weed starting off with, uh, with a Costa shot. Yeah, it was something we've seen a lot from other sides against us, honestly, is that. You know, we have dominated the opening minutes, and then they get their first attack and they score off it. Uh, but the roles were reversed. We, lead started out the stronger side, I'd say. They had that shot from Costa, right? And then we were first real attacking foray of the match, and we get a goal off it. So for me, that was um, pretty rewarding. It wasn't like we dominated and, and that was a deserved goal. It was really one of our first times in the opposition box, you know, all match. So just to get that one no lead, it's so rare for us. I can remember very few matches this season when we scored in the first 10 minutes. Right. But when we do, it always seems it's a great boost. We go on to win after the majority of those matches because it's such um, a bonus to have that lead you know, going to the first half instead of chasing a match, which we've so often been doing. So 
it was honestly the best thing we could have hoped for against a team like Leeds is to get that early goal. Okay. And uh, I totally agree with that. But Weeds um, responded to that, Giannis, and then I w- want to go right to you because they had some very decent opportunities to score. You have a shot by Bamford right after the goal, pretty pretty quickly after that. And then a little bit later on, you have a, a shot by Dallas, let's say by Rodak. And then a couple minutes later, you have the situation by Click that, again, goes goes off the post, thankfully, for Fulham. But at this point, I, I want to say for a good 15 to 20 minutes, Leeds United were really controlling the match. Your thoughts about, I, I guess you could say, after the goal from Fulham, how Leeds responded? I think um, I think the turning point of the game actually was, uh, was the save that Rodak made off Dallas. Okay. Um, for me, because it's a nice ball, but he's, he he struck it well, and it's a really good leg save. He's, it's, because it was heading for the corner, um, and I think you know, looking back on that save now, I think. If he scores, we're in real trouble. But it came at the. It's not about the saves. We know that it's the, it's the timing. I thought it was an excellent save. It really was. It was an instinct save, and it was a nice move by Leeds. And to me, I, I kept thinking, Christ, that he saved, the bugger's gone and saved us again. And they seemed to drop their heads a little bit after that. Um, and it's sort of odd. Some odd things happened in this game. I mean, Costa was taken off at half time. That's right. We don't, yeah, we don't know if that was was that tactical. Was that an injury? I don't. I don't. I can't see it being tactical. It's really you. You lose Hernandez, and now you lose Costa. You you don't have that much punch and bite at the top of the park. Um, but having said that, um, I should look better. But I th- I remember thinking that say it was a. It was a much tougher save than it looked, and um, right. it kept us one nothing up. And you know, Rodak has. Um, I mean, I might have something to say about the goal that we conceded. Yeah, we'll talk about a that. Really opportune save at a really opportune time for us, and and um, the longer it stayed at one nothing, the more self belief it seemed to give give the lads that we we had a chance of getting something out of this game. Okay, excellent. All right, and listen, Fulham see the first half out, which I thought was key. Get to the half up 1-0, and uh, we'll take it from there. But, guys, I want to go back to you. Before we talk about the second half, I want to go back to the tactical change because Fulham, again, gave up the possession. And, listen, Leeds United dominate possession. That's what they do. So instead of playing the ball off from the back, Max, Rodak was kicking it long to Mitro. What are your thoughts about that strategy, and how effective do you think it was in this match? Very effective. You know, as Amelia said on the full-time show, they were ready for that press. They had that Bielsa press all, you know, oven ready, ready to go. So they were not going to be surprised by passing out the back. And, you know, it's what fans want, you know. Yep. We are so obvious. It's, it's so clear what we do when we just pass out the back. Teams realize if you pressure us, we'll get the ball back, you know, nine times out of ten because we'll have to hoof it out anyway. So just to – play to our strength in some ways, go to Mitrick from the off. I was very pleased with that. It's been a problem that's plagued Fulham for, I'd say, ever since Lisa took over, because he also loves playing out of the back, even right. when it was an opportune. And everyone just says, switch it up. Sometimes play it long, sometimes play right. it out, but don't do the same thing every time. So it was a small thing, granted, but it was a very welcome change. Okay. 
Yeah, so I want to go to you because, again, this goes to the game plan. It's pretty obvious that Fulham changed what they were going to do, and I thought this was key to the match for them. They decided they weren't going to play the ball from the back. It looked like they were going to try it a few times, but I think that was going to play in the hands of Bielsa. And I think this was also part of Parker's plan was, okay, we're going to surprise them because we're not going to do that because that's going to affect how they play. I want to get your thoughts because, again, this is part of the chess match. I think this is a key part of how Parker really, again, I can't believe I'm going to say this, outcoached Bielsa. Yeah, it's for something, you know, it was what he least expected. It, I'm like a lot of Fulham fans that get worried about playing from the back because I think the key is the keeper. You really do have to have the keeper who can play the measured balls and be comfortable with both feet to be able to distribute a ball. It's great when it works, but I think top keepers do it because they can do it. Um, I'm more a fan of let's get the ball up to the front man, let him hold it up, lay it off to the central midfielders coming through or lay it off wide and do it there. Right. As opposed, the patient build-up is great, but the, the key to the patient build-up in terms of defending it is every, every player takes a man. That's what it is. <laughs> you know, once every man's taken, then what do you do? You invariably end up going down the middle anyway. You know, it's a simple tactic. I've seen a lot of coaches do it. And right. You just go, okay, well, just take a man. Well, let them figure it out. We, we, we can just sit here and wait all night. So I think, you know, it was a, it was a good idea. And, and when you've got somebody who, let's be honest, Mitro's probably four or five years away from it being his physical peak. He's he's bullying the crap out of centre backs now, and he's twenty three, twenty four. I know. What's going to happen when he gets really big? So, um, you know, I mean, he leaves them all black and blue with bruises. These poor centre backs, these poor brothers. So, um, get him more involved. Get get him more yeah. involved because sometimes it's going to be frustrating as a centre back, a centre forward, when you know you're feeding off scraps. You know, a, a, a seagull needs a good meal, right? Not just a few pieces of bread. So give them something to chase. Give them something, you know, just if nothing else, it keeps it keeps the centre-backs busy, keeps them occupied, gives them something to think about. So I okay. like that. And uh, he'd obviously thought about this plan. It, it, what is sort of disappointing, funnily enough, I think, is the fact that it's clear that Scotty, and I, I, and I rarely criticise him, but it's clear that Scotty had a game plan yesterday. Yep. What I can't understand is why he didn't have one last Saturday. <laughs> you know, I, 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 why, why were we so prepared yesterday, and we were, yep. Yep. to play the way we did, which we did, but we weren't and yet against the week prior, I know. We were clueless. Against a team that are not as good as Leeds. I, I no. just, you know, it's... They, Scott, if, if Scotty needs to do something, he needs to look at Pep. Pep is such a meticulous planner of every game. He doesn't say, okay, Liverpool, we've got to do this. No, you can look at the bottom and go, okay, all right, we've got Watford. This won't be easy. Let's plan accordingly. Right. You know, and I think he, Scott, he's going to learn pretty quickly if he hasn't already. You cannot pick and choose when you're going to plan meticulously. Every team's going to give its different looks. Luton gave us a bit of a, a bit of a run at the cottage. They weren't they easy. Did. And they're desperate for points, especially after yesterday's late loss to Swansea. So, you can't take some teams more seriously than others. So I'm hoping that he takes this lesson in terms of the planning bit, proactive bit, 
and he uses that for the remaining 23 games. Because if he does that, and he has that kind of success, then we'll make playoffs, and we should be we should be in good shape. See, this is where I completely agree with you 100%, Giannis. And uh, you know that where I live, the type of coach that is within my area, that's exactly what he does. Yeah. You know, again, meticulously plans. That's what I'm used to. So I like the fact that he changed things up, and I like the fact that maybe this could be a, a jumping-off point from him to do it more often. And, and it's very interesting. He said, well, why didn't he do it the week prior? It's a great point. Maybe this is part of the maturation of a head coach. You know, he has to learn from this. So maybe he, he got a very good lesson from the Brentford match to this. Look at Lutentown. So. Maybe he'll approach Lutentown a little bit different than maybe he would have, say, six weeks ago, a month ago, two months ago. So I'm glad that you brought it up. It's it's a very interesting part of the season. It's going to come down to, I think, the maturation of Scott Parker as a head coach. All right. Yep. Great stuff, guys. Let's move on to the second half. And uh, obviously we got to talk about what happened very early on. Again, we, you know, again, we have to, I'm going to go right to the goal and Yanis will go right back to you. Let's talk about what happened here in the 54th minute. This is a, a tap in for Bamford. Want to give Leeds United credit because they set this all up, but I have to look at our defense, the goalkeeper, your thoughts on giving up this goal to make it 1-1. Yeah, it, it bothered me for, for a couple of reasons. Nikita's hit, hit the ball, and it's a nice shot because it's across Rodak. Now, if you look at the positioning of where Rodak was, it looks to me as if he was slightly too left. He was a little worried about the near post shot. That was my take. And it's a good shot. It's along the ground. Yep. But then, then the question becomes, where's Tim Ream? Because that's Bamford's tapping, and who was supposed to be tracking his run? It should have been Tim Ream, and that's a goal. That's a goal that will infuriate Scott, Scotty, infuriate, because that is, you've got to track. Now, is, am I being overtly critical of Rhoda? Maybe, maybe it was a good save. Don't get me wrong, but it's it, where the angle was. It, the only thing he could really do was parry it, and. And Nikita's done the right thing. He's, he's, he's hit it along the ground. So he's, you always tell strikers, if you're going to shoot, make the keeper move, make him work. But Ream should have tracked, and he didn't. And it was a simple tapping. And yep. it's deflating, really, because I thought defensively up until then, I thought we'd done okay. But um, Ream, and, and, and in any case, I'm not even sure Ream should have been the... Ream tracked the run. I'm sure, I think Morsley should have been there, not Ream, because it was on the right, cutting in. So something went badly wrong there. Right. And um, I've, I've not been overtly comfortable with the chemistry between Ream and Moss. There have been times they've been okay, but Hector's going to be an important addition to us. I and totally agree, Giannis. And we probably need another centre-back too, uh, I think. Um, that's a goal that Scotty will look at and go, no, no, I don't, no I'm, not, I'm not too happy with that. But, I mean, they, they, their pressure has paid off. They scored. And they probably deserved the equaliser. Uh, Bamford couldn't have missed that. No. Not even our old retired friend, Philippe Senderhorse, could have missed that. Thought <laughs> <laughs> he'd get, get a plug-in for Senderhorse today. Good Congratulations stuff. on his retirement. He just retired, I know. Yeah, yeah what a horse. But um, so, And there you had it. It was 1-1, and all of a yep. sudden now, they're in, they're in the ascendancy. They are. And uh, 
I'm sure the players, Bielsa, their fans were thinking, okay, we're going to go on and win this. And what's interesting is uh, Fulham actually had an opportunity to score in the 60th minute of the shot by Cavalier. It's a very good save by the goalkeeper. Yes. And uh, that all leads up to nine minutes later. Max, I'll go to you. I'm going to give you the honors of talking about the goal from Josh Noma, but it's all obviously the build-up play that leads to this because it comes off of a corner. So let's talk about the goal because I want to talk about this. We will talk about man of the match, but Anoma, who I've been critical of, I'll be the first to say, this was a fantastic goal by him, but his play overall was excellent in this match. It's not just about this goal, but this to me was a huge turning point for Fulham and for Josh Anoma. Your thoughts on the goal? I actually want to take you guys back right before the goal to what led to the goal. Okay. And so the goal came from a corner, right? Yes, who won us that corner? Do you remember Mitrovic played that? Uh, uh, honestly, I think it was an overhit ball over the top, over yep. to the left wing to Deckard over Reed, and the effort Deckard over Reed showed, and the pace to get an end of that ball, which certainly looked like it was going out, was superb. And if you remember, he gets it right before it goes by the end line, he takes on a Leeds player, and puts it across, and the cross on was poor. It was a bad cross, well overhit. But Mitro, after playing that first ball to Deckard over Reed. Dozen goes the exact same thing and goes to the touchline, retrieves Mitro. He's not normally used to playing on the wing. We saw him a lot in the right wing or left wing today, uh, yesterday. He was very mobile, and that's what I love about him. He was versatile. He was getting on the ball. He didn't just stay in a central forward position. So he goes in the right wing, um, takes on a leads player, puts it across, and then wins a corner off it. So that goal actually came from two superb lung-busting runs from both Mitro and Deco Dovary. Yep. Great effort. Um, and that kind of showed that we had the momentum. We wanted to get that second goal. That's right. Hand me in front of us. That we really wanted it more, Max. Yeah. Exactly. And then, of course, off that corner, Michio has the first kind of whack at it. And this is one of the most satisfying angles. I don't know if you guys have seen this. You definitely have. Come on. I've watched this goal like 30 yeah, times. Yeah, I've seen it. It's right behind the goal. And you see it just sit up so nicely on the floor for Noma. And he just thwacks it. And he has a defender actually right in front of him. I'm going to actually. Um, make sure that Casilla doesn't actually see the ball until late. That's why Casilla doesn't even move because he's unsighted. And Anoma just wraps his right foot around it so sweetly. It almost took off the net. Uh, great goal. The knee slide into the hand the end. Again, another great celebration for a great goal. And it meant so much to the players, to the fans. It's someone we've been hard on. That's for sure. We've definitely not made it easy for Anoma's first couple months here. And he'll be the first to admit, as Parker said, he hasn't been good enough. But this hopefully is the start of a really nice film career for someone who Parker clear his confidence in, and the players as well. They, they're so delighted for him, and I think they know what he's capable of as well. Okay, excellent stuff there, Max. All right, to be honest, I'm going to give you the honors of talking about how Fulham saw this match out because, again, I was nervous after the goal thinking, okay, there's plenty of time here for not just uh, an equalizer but a potential winner from Leeds United. But Fulham saw this match out, and – Leeds United had some good opportunities at the end of the match, especially at the very end. In stoppage time, you have the uh, shot by Alioski that goes over the net. And then you have the opportunity from Leeds that actually was headed over from Mitro. Again, Mitro was everywhere. And if it was not for his header, it's probably going to be the equalizer for Leeds United. But I want to just get your overall thoughts on how Fulham saw the match out. Didn't really think 
I didn't really think that um, Leeds were going to knock knock us over there. I, I thought that they, I think the goal by by Unknown was not the stuffing out of them. They they huffed and they puffed, and because it was five minutes of injury time, but we had a measure of confidence at the back and and, and defensively our shape was good. And of course we had the uh, you know there's don't you just love those customary you know three substitutions in injury time, which. I I I got us. It still infuriates me. It doesn't matter whether it's for us or you know. I mean, I, to me, it's like giving a Christmas gift. It's like giving a, a you know, it's good, like giving um you know a bag of biscuits to somebody, and you, and you know the person who receives it says, oh you shouldn't have. Oh no, you really shouldn't have. You just you know what a waste of time. You know, can you imagine Stephen Sessignon? You train all week to come on for four seconds. I know. I mean, I actually I actually think. I actually think that um, I, I, I think that, that FIFA should look at this in terms of substitution rule, and you know I think you should put a ban on substitutions and in injury time. I really do. I think it's just it's absolute time wasting. It's clear. Yeah, of course it is. Pass for it in regular time, but you don't give it during injury time. Yep. So it just it just I you know it just I know every team does it. I know I get it. Um, not that I like it, but. We looked. At, we looked comfortable. We looked to control, and um, the fans were feeding off the energy, and which was great. And the Leeds United fans were having a moan, and which is what they are want to do, because um, that's what they do. Because there's not a lot else to do in Leeds. Um, but you know, in the, in the end, I thought we looked comfortable. And, and you're right about that, uh, Mitrovic had at header. Yeah. He, he very. He, I mean, he's so good in the air, but he's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be averse to if we ever had an emergency emergency situation to bring him to play at centre back because this guy is outstanding in the air. He can oh, he is. tackle. Yeah, he's he's, and that's what sort of scares me, Russ, because I think he's doubled his value. Um, he's a forty million pound player right now, and um, there's going to come a time when somebody's going to come knocking on the door, and uh, I hope it's. I hope it's not yet, but he's he's playing out of his skin right now, and um, yes. he's a team player, and uh, and that's why we love him so much. Right, you know, and Giannis, I understand your fear, and I understand other Fulham supporters' fears about the future of Mitro, but you just also said that he loves the club. There's a reason why he's at Fulham right now, and I don't see that changing this season. Could it happen next season? Yes. I just don't see him making the move. I think he's settled in London. I think he just also happens to love Fulham. Fulham gave him an opportunity, a really great opportunity, where, again, he had all of his issues with Newcastle United, and I just think they gave him the springboard, and I think he respects that. This is my opinion, but it's pretty obvious that he loves the club. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I could be wrong. I just don't see it. At least in January. All right. Guys, let's look at the full-time stats. These are interesting. I've already mentioned this to you, so this is not going to be a shocker. But it was a shocker when I first looked at it. Possession. In favor of Leeds United, 65% to 35%. Total shots, 15 to 7 in favor of Leeds United. On target, 7 to 3 in favor of Leeds United. Corners, 7 to 4 in favor of Leeds United. Crosses, 24 to 11 in favor of Leeds United. Attempted passes, 446 to 244, in favor of Leeds United. Passing accuracy, this is something we always look at, guys. 
as a good barometer for Fulham. And I think this is also an indicator of the game plan from Scott Parker. Leeds United were at 76%. Fulham were at 61%. When have you seen Fulham in a passing accuracy at 61%, guys? Think about that. Russell, are you reading the Barnsley stats from yesterday? (laughs) No, I'm not. And fouls were even at 15. All right, Mr. Cohen, what stands out to you the most from the full-time stats? I'm going right for the passing accuracy, but you could go to possession or somewhere else. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I knew it was definitely – the possession is what stood to me. I didn't realize the attended passes also. It was something like we almost had half of what leads – Half. The accuracy is also shocking. I mean, 61 is low. Very low. But, but I love it. You know, it's like you love to hate it. It's, <laughs> I, I, how many I times have how many we times, seen full yes, lose exactly. to teams like this that have done <laughs> yeah, this to How fall. many times have we been reading the stats and we're at 82% with 500 attempted passes and then, and then we're talking after it? What went wrong? You know, why That's my lose? point. <laughs> so it's nice on the other side. But I do think there is some reason for concern. Just because when you win a match, two goals to one, and you have three shots on target, that's that's a bit dodgy. I mean, if, yes, we took our chances. That's superb. And I'd rather be in this position than having 10 shots and no goals. But that's worrying because that sh- shows to me we're not creating as much as we should be at home. Well, Again, it is that. Leeds. We had a different game plan this match. I understand all of that. But I, I, people were saying on social media, I think it's true, that we need to be creating more, and this team can do more in, in an attacking sense. But for this match, I'll take it. But we can always demand improvement. Okay. And I get where you're going because I think even with the change of style, they should have created more opportunities, and they did not. So that's a very good point by you. Over to you, Mr. Janais. What stands out to you? Well, against Barnsley, we had 76% passing accuracy. So uh, <laughs> 61% is very low. I can't remember the last time it was like that. Um, so it was a different. It was a very, very different, very different game, um, which you know. And then we evaluated. Well, what was the most important thing? It will score at the end. Score like. Um We can't play like that against Luton. No. Um, there's just no way, and, and nor should we, because we might have to take sleeping bags as our poor fans will fall asleep. Um, we've got some very winnable games coming up where we should really, really be on the front foot, and with. They could over Reed and, and Harrison Reed now back in the lineup. You've got players like Boo Boo and Johansson will want to come in. You've got um, Harry Arter hopefully, hopefully back soon, and the transfer window coming down the line. Things are going to get nice and you know, nice and tasty out there. People want to play. Players want to play. Yep. So um, this is this is a good good time. I, I think. Um, you know, it was one of those oddity matches. I don't. I'm not trying. I'm just trying to think. When we played West Brom earlier this season, it's a game we should have won, and we let that one slip. Yep. Um, there's really no other team at, at the cottage we'd play where I would think of playing that. We might want to play like that. Actually, funnily enough, a way to a, a way to schmoll after the way they they bollocked us down at the cottage. Yeah. Um, but um, it goes to show it was a game plan. It worked. We won two games. We won by two goals to one, which was great. Um, but the game's finished now, so you know we're in fourth because Wednesday beat City today, Bristol City. So now let's go and get three points against Luton, Luton, and um, see if we can get ourselves back in, in third. But um, that parking pass, actually sixty-one percent. Wow, that is very low. Extremely low, Giannis. And what's interesting is 
while you were saying that, I decided to go back and look at the stats from the West Brom match. Possession, yeah. Fulmer at 69% to 31%. Okay? And passing yeah. accuracy? Well, let's look at that. Fulmer at 89%, Giannis. And yeah. West Brom are only at 69%. So they were low as well with the uh, passing accuracy. So it, it's just yeah. interesting finding different ways to get points, to get victories. I think uh, there is more than one way to, to get points in this division, and I, I think this is a positive sign. I, I know that we need to create more opportunities if they decided to play this way again, but the fact that they can do it now is a, is a huge step. So I just want to mention that. Yeah. All right, guys, let's finish up quickly. Talking about man of the match, I put out a, a question on social media. We, I just don't have time really to – go through it. So, so I want to thank everyone that tweeted and put on the Facebook page, but guys quickly, give me your man of the match. Mr. Cohen to you first. Oh, it's tough. I, I, there are many contenders. I think Mawson actually had an excellent game. We've mentioned him much at center back. He really bounced back from Brentford. I also thought Mitro was tireless up front, got his goal, but also worked socks off. But I'm going to have to go with Josh Sonoma just because he got the winning goal. He also put in the tireless display in defense and offense, starting attacks, breaking up attacks. He was all over the place. And just so personally satisfying for him to finally get that goal and hopefully kick on from here. So I'm going to say Josh Renuma. Okay. Giannis? I have to give it to Mitro. Um, Mitro set up the first goal um, with the, the hook back that led to the penalty. He scored the first goal. He tried the scissors kick that led to the, the ball dribbling <laughs> off to a number to smash it in. And actually, if you look at the replay, he did. He also did something very clever during that second goal because he, he pulled his feet just out of the way as a number was about to strike it. So that was, that was smart thinking. That, yep. that header near the end, he was everywhere. That's right. Absolutely everywhere. And then, and no disrespect to Anoma, because I thought Anoma, I thought Anoma was excellent. And I, actually thought, I actually thought Alfie Mawson was excellent too. I agree. Um, but Mitro, oh, geez. Oh, he's such a catalyst for everything we do on this team. And yep. uh, his work rate, as I said, he's, he's, gonna, he's a scary player, and he's only a baby. Um, mm. it, it's, it's when he really starts to grow into his body that things will take off. But I thought he was outstanding. So to me, it's Mitro. Okay. And what's interesting about him is that you need to get him involved more. Forget about this match. He needs to be involved. He doesn't need to be isolated because we see this too often, guys. You need to get him involved as yeah. much as possible because I think he affects everything if you get him involved, not just offensively but defensively. He wants to do everything he can for the team. That's why if you're asking me, and I know I'm going off subject with this, he should be the – where am I going on this? Sorry, guys. Next quarterback oh. of the Patriots. <laughs> no, I was going to say. Year. Man of the year. And I've met a match. Man of the, man man of the of match. 2019. <laughs> I, 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 think, I mean, I, I think that, um, uh, I mean, Mitro is already adored by the fans. I mean, he's, you know, you look at the history. You look at the history of Fulham Football Club and the great players that we've had. And, we, you know, there's the exceptions that Johnny Haynes is our greatest ever player. Gordon Davis is one of our greatest players. We got so the list is, is endless, but but Mark Father, right now, um... he's up there. He's up there, though. <laughs> no, I was there. gonna say, guys, I, 
as you would always say, Giannis, I, I had a senior moment. He should be captain. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> you know, and you know, it's that's an interesting that's an interesting point. Um, I, I I would ordinarily say you've got to have a centre back, but I'm not sure. I think the centre back has to be playing well enough and leading well enough to do it, and I don't think that Mawson and Ream do it. But I, I wouldn't argue against Mitchell being the captain at all. Um, I, I really wouldn't, um, because um, leadership really—I mean, attitude reflects leadership, and leadership right. really starts with work rate. And there isn't anybody that works harder for me on, on the field than he does. Um, right. So yeah, I, I, cer- I certainly wouldn't be averse to that. Okay. And, um, but you know what? Uh, for all we know, we'll get Floyd Aite back, and he'll become captain. Oh, what's that go there? All right. Great show, guys. Fantastic show. This, it was great to talk about a Fulham victory. And uh, let's hope we see that again against Luton Town on Boxing Day. But it is time to wrap up this episode. For Max Cohen and Yashinas, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.